This is Earth Files, the award-winning news site with the latest updates in science, environment, and real X-Files. Podcasting in-depth reports beyond the 6 o'clock news by Emmy Award-winning journalist Linda Moulton Howe. Hi, everyone in North America and around the world. Here is chocolate. And here is Fluffy, and we have been having something like a Siberian snowstorm here uh, last night, 60-mile-an-hour gusts that were hitting the house and causing it to shake, and these little guys were up jumping around uh, on tables and everything, basically like saying, what is happening? It was really a strong storm here. And I ended up this morning walking into this office of glass, and it was like walking into a snow globe. Every single window was laced with ice. I had never seen anything like it, and it was snowing outdoors. And then Fluffy and Chocolate came, and they got up to watch the snow, and they're both with me tonight, but they are eager for some special food that I have for them. So I'm going to put them down so they can get the food. And we will continue with what I hope you will find to be a fascinating show. You know, there are so many things in this planet now that seem to be pushing around difficult edges and that everybody is stressed. And there is this sense that in this revolutionary time, We just don't know what is coming next. And so I want to thank you so deeply tonight that this week we broke through 168,000 subscribers to my Earth Files YouTube channel. And so let's keep going and growing. And if you're here tonight and you haven't subscribed yet, please click on that red subscriber rectangle in the lower right of your screen so we can make it to 175,000 subscribers by the summer solstice, June 23rd this year, the longest day of the year for sunlight, which I love. By then, we should be learning more from the Pentagon and current director of national intelligence about UFOs, UAPs, and the implications of a link to advanced aerial threats and foreign adversaries, words that were used in the order in the COVID relief bill that former President Trump signed on Sunday, December 27, 2020. Now, if you count 180 days beginning from that December 27th date, the 180th day is on the full moon of June 24th, 2021. But some recent media reports say the Secretary of Defense, working with the DNI, will likely deliver a report earlier on maybe June 1st, only about two months from now. And in fact, some surprising statements about what could be in the UFO UAP report emerged last Friday, March 19, 2021, in a Fox TV interview by host Maria Bartiromo with the former director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe. Here are some of his quotes. 
When we talk about sightings, I will tell you it's not just a pilot or just a satellite or some intelligence collection. Usually we have multiple sensors that are picking up these things and some of these are unexplained phenomenon. Another quote, there are instances where we don't have good explanations for some of the things that we've seen. And when that information becomes declassified, I'll be able to talk a little bit more about that. Another quote. Remember, this is from the former DNI under President Trump. Quote, we are talking about objects that have been seen by Navy or Air Force pilots or have been picked up by satellite imagery that frankly engage in actions that are difficult to explain, movements that are hard to replicate, that we do not have the technology for or are traveling at speeds that exceed the sound barrier without a sonic boom. Another quote. There's actually quite a few of those, meaning these unexplained and radically different sightings, than have been made public. And I think that information is being gathered and will be put out in a way the American people can see, close quote. So please keep checking my earthfiles.com news website, like this January 11th report about the 180-day countdown with excerpts from the COVID funding bill. And whenever the newly appointed Secretary of Defense, Army General Lloyd Austin, and the current Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haines, release the UFO UAP report, I'll report here on my Earth Files News YouTube channel and my Earth Files website as much as I can report. And while we are waiting for news about UFOs on Earth, exciting space history is taking place on Mars. On Earth, the first time humans flew the first successful heavier-than-air powered aircraft was by the brothers Orville and Wilbur Wright in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina on December 17, 1903. NASA is linking that historic moment on Earth to Mars by placing a piece of the famous Wright Brothers plane inside the helicopter called Ingenuity that will make its first test flight after release by the Perseverance rover on April 8, 2021, two weeks from now. Our experiment window is 30 Martian days. So we have planned uh, up to five flights of incremental difficulty very first flight, the main thing is we want to get the legs off the ground and so we will basically go up uh, about three meters and we'll hover there uh, and then we'll come down again and that will be the first you know really major milestone. Most of our flights will be at the three to five meter height. We will be going horizontally again at a few meters per second, probably go out you know 50-70 meters and come back. In successive flights we'll probably push that further, try to go further. So our priority will be to get back engineering telemetry and not so much images, but I'm sure we'll return a few, you know, because they'll always look cool. 
At this point, we've tested all we can on Earth. We have mathematical models that shows how it will fly at Mars, and we've tested it in the simulated environment that we can create on Earth. It really is time now to do the real flight test at Mars. Nothing is a given, but we have done everything we can in terms of a test program here on Earth. The vehicle's performing extremely well so far. It's been doing exactly the right thing, even right now, and it's bolted onto the Perseverance rover. So there's a very good chance that we'll pull it off, yes. But it's still high risk, and none of us forget that you could have a glitch that, you know, could mean end of mission, yes. It's going to be exciting, reacting to any surprises we have. We can't wait. <laughs> What's really most important is everything we're learning here is for the future rotorcraft systems that we want to introduce into space exploration. And last week, I had some new strange boom reports in the San Diego, California region that we talked about here. And another report at the same time across the entire United States in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, where a woman emailed about hearing on March 13th in the afternoon at 2.43 p.m. East Coast time, quote, extremely loud metallic sounds, like a combination of rushing, grinding, and reverberating sound coming from the clear blue spring skies, close quote. Then another Pennsylvania resident from Swarthmore, only 27 miles southeast of Phoenixville, heard the Earth Files YouTube report last week and emailed me to describe a similar metallic sound she heard also on March 13th, but at 2.30 a.m. that early morning, almost exactly 12 hours earlier than the Phoenixville woman reported hearing metallic sound. Here is the email from Carolyn B. in Swarthmore, Pennsylvania, and that is uh, very close, 27 miles southeast of Phoenixville. Hi, Linda. My name is Caroline, and I enjoy watching your YouTube channel on Wednesday nights. On your March 17th broadcast, I nearly fell out of my bed when I heard you report on the metallic sounds from March 13th, 2021, that a follower sent to you from Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. I heard them at 2.30 a.m. in Swarthmore, and it was like hearing a very large door opening in the sky. It was so loud, but it was brief. The scary thing is that even though it was very loud and very disturbing, this is not the first time that I heard these sounds. Last year, around the same time, 2.30 a.m., I heard a loud boom at night. It was so loud. Thank you for all you do. Best Caroline. Thank you and for those of you, wherever you are on the planet, who may have some genuine experiences with these strange sounds, email me at earthfiles at earthfiles.com. Now, this week, I talked with a detective at the Crook County Sheriff's Office about their stepping up rural patrols after several cattle deaths, possibly animal mutilations. In March this year of 2021, there have been reports in Prineville, Oregon, 
about new cattle mutilations in that ranching community. It's especially significant that Prineville is 135 miles northeast of Burns, Oregon, where five Hereford bulls were found within one and a half miles of each other on August 2, 2019, bloodlessly mutilated with no signs of struggle around them on the Sylvie's Valley Ranch in Harney County, Oregon. That ranch is 20 miles north of Burns. The ranch vice president, Colby Marshall, told reporters, quote, there are no entry wounds. A metal detector revealed no bullets. There were no outward signs of a struggle, no rope burns on trees, no scattered hoof prints, no strangulation marks. The five bulls look like they simply fell over and died, close quote. And now there are these more unusual cattle deaths being investigated by the Crooks County Sheriff's Office in Prineville. I have been investigating bloodless, trackless animal mutilations around the world since September of 1979. And that's when law enforcement, including retired Logan County Sheriff Tex Graves, told me, quote, the perpetrators of these animal mutilations are creatures from outer space, close quote. But which ones, which non-humans and why? Last week on my March 17th Earth Files broadcast, some of your chat questions asked to know more about the six to eight foot tall blondes, also known as Nordics. And how do they relate to the various two foot, four foot, five foot, seven foot grays that military and intel sources say are largely artificial intelligence? And how do those two relate to the reptilians described by human abductees as around seven to eight feet tall, some looking like tall standing up crocodiles, while other reptile types are shorter, thinner, and compared to lizards. After the broadcast, I thought about one interview that I did on August 29, 2013, with a 26-year-old Texas oil and gas employee who asked me to call him Tyler Jones, not his real name. He wrote me a letter about all the high strangeness that happened on his family's Gaston, Alabama farm in 1993, when they lost several of their cattle to eerie, bloodless, trackless mutilations. In January of 1993, I had begun receiving lots of calls from DeKalb County, Alabama, from farmers reporting red-orange pulsing objects in the light in the night sky the size of a full moon, others were white, lights that pulsed. Well, the next day, the rancher would find a mutilated cow. By the end of February 1993, I was on an airliner headed to Alabama to do a documentary about that new round of animal mutilations there. That is my documentary, Strange Harvest 1993, that is in my Earth File shop, a follow-up film to my original documentary, A Strange Harvest, that first broadcast on the CBS station in Denver, Colorado on May 25, 1980, and received a regional Emmy. So when Tyler Jones from Gadsden, DeKalb County, Alabama, 
wrote me his letter in August 2013 describing all the UFO and animal mutilation activity around his family farm. It was another new layer of all the interviews and animal mutilations that I had personally investigated for my 1993 documentary, and they were all associated with the presence of strange, unidentified lights or craft in the sky. Then, a decade later, on August 16, 2013, I began a recorded phone interview with Tyler. It went on for two and one half hours, and what emerged was that Tyler not only was a witness to the eerie, bloodless, mutilated cattle bodies on their farm, he also ended up telling me an earth history that he received from a seven-foot-tall, blonde, Nordic-looking E.T., a history that includes genetic manipulation of DNA in already evolving primates by extraterrestrials that produced the current human model, Cro-Magnon Homo sapien sapien. Tyler received telepathic downloads from his seven-foot-tall, blonde-haired, blue-eyed being who communicated images and information telepathically to Tyler and his brother on November 15, 2012. And that is when they were lifted up from their farm near Gadsden, Alabama, into a UFO craft. Tyler did sketches so I could see through his mind's eye what he remembered. And tonight, I am going to share with you the beginning part one of a seven-part report that I have at my news website, earthfiles.com, that includes the complex facets of animal mutilations, human abductions, UFOs, alien conflicts about Earth and humanity's fate, and the avatars of history, and the confusion about alien agendas. For earthfiles.com readers, please know that any mutilation-related reports that I produce must be placed behind the Real X-Files subscription wall to protect children and sensitive people from seeing the many animal mutilation images, even though they are bloodless and eerily pristine. Because of this needed legal protection, we're going to continue to unfold the entire seven-part as a real X-Files in my earthfiles.com news website from tonight forward to next Wednesday, March 31st. And that night, our next Earthfiles YouTube channel broadcast, I'm going to share with you, so we're all together, on part two, the interview with Tyler Jones that evolves from the part one interview tonight. This way, everyone from this Earthfiles YouTube channel audience to my Earthfiles News website will have multiple opportunities to get deeply into this important seven-part report and the two interview segments with Tyler Jones without worrying about subscriptions. I feel this content is that important. And Tyler Jones is no longer reachable at his 2013 phone. So this might be 
the only legacy insight we'll have from him after his firsthand experiences with the tall blonde Nordic type entities who told Tyler they inhabit two galaxies in this matter universe. Here now is part one as Tyler begins with the cattle mutilations on their Gadsden, Alabama farm in 1993. It started with just one, one heifer went missing and my stepfather found it. It had been mutilated. The tongue was removed, both eyes were removed, around the anus was removed, and the entire udder was removed. What was the pattern in the hide where the udder had been removed? I guess it would be circle. So like a cookie cutter through the hide only? Yes. This was in April of 1993, and this is the first mutilation on your Alabama farm? Yes. The next time a cow was mutilated, it was a month later. And after that, we started finding them two at a time. Where were they and what were you looking at? The last two times we found them, there was two lying side by side. Next to each other? Yes. Were the excisions in both identical or were they different? Identical. Did you report this to the local sheriff? Yes. They were kind of more stunned than we were. On any one of the six, was there blood anywhere? Nothing. There wasn't even tracks where they had walked, where you would think they would walk to lay down right there. There wasn't even tracks there. During this time of April to August of 1993, did you, your family, or any neighbors see any mysterious lights or objects in the sky? Yes. My stepfather saw lights. The first night we had a cow mutilated, he had saw lights and thought it was headlights shining in the window. That next morning we discovered a cow had mutilated. And later on, after the mutilations became more common, lights would come before we would find the mutilation. What was the color and size of the lights? They were multicolored, white, red, and green. Were the lights rotating or flashing? Rotating. What was he seeing the object with the multicolored lights doing? Just hovering in place over the neighbor's pasture. The neighbors were also having mutilated cows and also throughout the county. So it wasn't just our farm. It was farms 20 miles down the road, all around the area. What county was this? This was DeKalb County. And in the summer of 1993, I also was in Alabama investigating animal mutilations that were occurring by the dozens. Why that particular year? I wish I had an answer. I just know that there is a pattern of repeating cycles in certain latitude longitudes over time. And what have you yourself come to the conclusion might have been in those lights mutilating the six cattle on your farm the summer of 1993? Well, it would be what we refer to as a UFO, something not of this world. What do you think is in that UFO that is interested in mutilating animals on this planet? Well, honestly, I think it's extraterrestrials. I was told that reptilian race was the ones getting the mutilation. I think maybe they eat it. Who was it that told you that the reptilians are the ones mutilating animals on this planet? Like a Swedish person. Blonde hair, blue eyes one extraterrestrial that took me and my brother in the winter of 2012. 
A year ago, on November 15, 2012, at 8 o'clock in the evening, Tyler and his younger brother saw a very bright white light above a hill at their farmhouse near Gadsden, Alabama. They walked towards it and felt electricity in the air that raised hair on the backs of their necks and their heads. There was also a throbbing, humming, buzzing noise. Suddenly, a solid-looking tube of white light extended down to the ground from the aerial light that was then only about a 100 feet above them. Tyler was carrying his rifle and used the hunting scope to aim at the light in the beam to see more clearly. Tyler thought he could see a strange gray being, and he and his brother began to run away. But then a beam of light hit them, and both brothers suffered missing time with memories of a blonde-haired being who showed them lots of images in their minds about animal mutilations, the blonde beings terraforming Earth long ago, and a conflict among the blonde beings about the fate of Homo sapien. My brother said the blonde man said it was reptilian, mutilated. The blonde extraterrestrial showed him an image of a cow on the ground and two small greys doing something to it and the reptilian standing above it. Did he have any impression about why the reptilians with the little greys were mutilating the animal? To eat, to use the genetic material, to do what? Didn't know exactly, but he said the reptilian was looking at the cow as if it was hungry. While Tyler's brother was being shown images about animal mutilations, Tyler woke up on a table in a round room where light was glowing from the walls. All I could see was it looked like a metal wall, light emanating out of it, and I'm laying on a table flat, and I can't move my head, I can't move anything. The only thing I can move is my eyes. And the first thought that hit me was my brother. Where is he? What happened? So I started screaming, and fear was unlike anything I ever felt before. Honestly, thought I was going to have a heart attack. And the next thing I know, a hand comes over my head, and as soon as the hand touched me, it was everything was okay. Where did the hand touch you? On my forehead. He took his hand off my head. He walked around to the side of me. I guess what you would say a Swedish person would look like. Blonde hair, bluish eyes. He was around seven feet tall. Sharp, square jaws. Lips just like ours. His head was a little larger in the back than what ours would be. Hair was perfectly straight down to his shoulders. Very blonde, almost white. Skin was pale, glowing. You've heard of the Shining Ones in biblical literature? Maybe in Sunday school, I believe I had to them. The thing was, his eyes it didn't look like our eyes. It was like looking into a marble that swirled with black in the center. They don't have rods and cones, those little dots in them? No. What do you mean by swirl? I say swirl because it was like getting mixed. Maybe a blue and a green, not one solid color. Did you see anything move in the eye? That's why I said swirl. It seemed like the color would change. Certain parts of the eye would change color. Like aquamarine, it would change over to a blue or a green, and it would just change. It was like we were connected in like a spiritual way. Like I knew who he was, and the only way I can describe the feeling was a feeling of like time stopped. Everything was clear. Everything was folding out in front of me. I could see everything clearly and didn't have any fear. The next thing, I hear a voice in my head. 
And I said, what do you want? Where's my brother? What's going on? He said, your brother's right behind you. You're okay. He's talking to me like thoughts in my head. Telepathy. I guess. And I asked him again, who are you? What do you want? And he put his hand back on my head. And all of a sudden, I get flashes of, I guess, what I would say was his memories. And it hurt like a headache, whatever he was doing. But it was like he was showing me his memories, like what he has seen. What were you seeing? He showed me three-dimensional maps in my mind on our galaxy, Milky Way. And it zoomed in, I guess, the way that Google Earth would zoom in if you zoom in on a particular place. And this is all three-dimensional. And it zoomed into a particular spiral on our galaxy and shown a star cluster of where they're from. Most of our star maps are flat, so it's kind of hard to tell exactly what it is. And then immediately following that, it zoomed right back out. It went to a different galaxy and another star cluster. I don't know other galaxies besides the Milky Way, but he was telling me that they're either from one place or they're from one place, but they live in two different galaxies. What was the next scene that he went to after the two galaxies? The next scene he went to was of the Earth, and I guess how the Earth would have looked like maybe millions of years ago. And there was no buildings, no structure whatsoever. What were you seeing? Just trees, mountains, as if take the entire Earth and wipe off everything that's ever been made by humans. That's what I would have seen. Mm-hmm. When he showed you the Earth from long ago that was so pristine without human civilization, what was the next image? All the blondes, a large group of them in a meeting, very small stadium with maybe 200 blondes in it. Do they all look alike? They're all dressed alike, but they're all different. They're all dressed in a white robe with a black sash in the middle. Some of them have white hair. Most of them have blonde hair. The very few of them that were at the very front had white beards and white hair. They were all between seven to eight feet tall? Yes, every one of them. Who seemed to have a leadership inside of this stadium room? There were seven blondes in the middle, but they had white beards and white hair. Were they showing images while they talked? Nothing. You were left with the impression that they were doing what? Having a meeting about coming to Earth and what they were going to do. What was the very next image he showed you after this meeting in this stadium-like room? Blondes and the Greys working on the Earth. Blondes were on very large, what looked like floating equipment. Floating machines? Yes some type of floating mining machines. They are mining from inside of the earth into the machines in the air? Yes, it seemed like it made a line on the ground as it was going across the ground. Did you see rocks or soil or something rising from the ground into this machine in the air? Yes. And next Wednesday, March 31st, I will continue this in a part two in which Tyler Jones exchanges what the blonde being told him about the Earth's history in relationship to the Nordics, the reptilians, and the greys. It is quite fascinating, and it resonates with several other, I would say, in-depth investigations that some people 
have done. And I think you will find it fascinating. And for those of you who have uh, Earth Files news, the seven parts are going to unfold to the last part when we're together again next Wednesday on March 31st. And I hope this integration in which inside of my Earth Files news website reports, uh, I can sometimes have 30, 40, 50 uh, images, symbols, all, all kinds of things are in those reports. And here it's a more of a, uh, a focus in a shorter way. And so I'm trying to uh, share with both audiences, Earth Files YouTube and Earth Files News, on some of these reports where the depth and I think the importance of the content deserves this kind of stereo. And I will try to do that in the future at another uh, Earth Files YouTube channel, sort of like what we have done tonight. Let me know uh, as we go from now through next week, and some of you are going into the Earth Files, remembering their real X-Files uh, reports, and letting me know if this does feel like it expands even more the depth of uh, understanding and exposure to things like the very, very difficult animal mutilations, which are actually quite pristine and challenge all kinds of medical specialists, but they can't be looked at in the public. Uh, it's just out of uh, common courtesy to our fellow human beings. So this is an effort to try to cover a lot of facets, and I, I, hope, I hope you find that this is valuable. And now, Ian, what comments and questions do we have tonight? Good evening, Linda. Okay, first of all, let me deal with the super chats. Thank you, everyone, for your contributions. And here's the list of super chats for this evening. Moonbird, Joe Schmo. Darrell M, Big Easy 206, Melanie Meisner, Deborah McGavin, Linda Billis, TNC, Mary LeBlanc, Beverly Adams, Carl Basma, Rebecca Cole, Marius Chansky. Thank you. Oh, thank you all so much. Moonbird, I have heard your name, it seems. Uh, from the time that we have started doing the Earth Files YouTube channel. And I'm wondering if uh, you can send me a communication. Uh, I would like to thank you for you have been with the program, it seems, in the Super Chats from the beginning. And thank you more than I can say. And thank you, Ian. Okay, Linda. Well, uh, people are still talking about the booms and the strange grinding noises, the yeah. scraping noises, etc. I think you'll probably be receiving a few more reports. People are still reporting them, even right through until last week. Yeah, I have one that is long and complex, and I'm going to try to do a little research and probably share it next week. It is extremely strange. Uh, the, the one I'm working on now that I just received today, if you can imagine, and I completely believe these people, that they're in their house at night. And they said, it sounds like somebody was taking some kind of a grinder 
or some kind of equipment into metal. And it was this horrible metallic grinding sound. But here is, I've never heard this before until this. It went on for at least 30 minutes on their clock. 30 minutes. Why are people not coming out into the streets? This has come up in many, many cases about these strange sounds. And you have to conclude that if somebody is hearing something and, and they are scared, uh, and, and, and a lot of people don't even call the police, they're just scared. They're scared and intimidated by the sound. And then the next day, in some of these cases, they learn that not a single neighbor heard anything, as if the sound itself is sort of modified or focused whatever it is that's behind it, it's focused on a latitude-longitude. And that in of itself is extremely peculiar and has been for an entire decade. It isn't just the metal sounds where people have heard and been scared and then they find their neighbors didn't hear. Well, uh, there's uh, there's certainly a lot of interest in these in these sounds, and a lot of people are yeah. still talking about them. Let's hope that there's more people contacting us and uh, giving us more information. Yes. But a lot of people as well are talking about the cattle mutilations that you've highlighted this evening with that excellent report. Thank you. Uh, Thank now, you. can you speak, Linda, about don't the cows have some genetic similarity to humans? Bovine blood plasma compatible with humans? There is only a 4% difference between the Homo sapiens sapien genome and the bovine genome, 4%. Compare that uh, if you go to a chimpanzee, uh, the, the primates, orangutans, uh, you get down to maybe one half to 1% difference. So the primates are still closer, but the bovine cow and its blood are only 4% difference. And I uh, talked about that in my first uh, book, uh, An Alien Harvest. And it was while I was working on that first book that there was a medical report about a legitimate scientific investigation to see if bovine blood could be processed and used in emergencies in transfusions into humans. And there were laboratories, there was a laboratory in Boulder, Colorado, where they were doing experimentation with another lab to see if this would take the pressure off of uh, getting enough blood supplies that could be used for the transfusions that would be necessary for people. And when you consider that that, I do not know the current status in 2021. If anybody in the audience does, please let me know at earthfiles at earthfiles.com. It is not something that I have updated myself on. I just remember the 4% and that there was a, a serious science effort to see. And it may be that hemoglobin uh, in the blood, the bovine, may be able to be used today because of even more advanced processing. And that's something we should all learn. Uh, would it relate to why a reptilian humanoid species would abduct uh, 
mutilate, that word mutilate, I, I've been to so many of these sites. The mutilation has never been quite right because the excisions are so precise. But I understand why the sheriffs and others, the ranchers, so long ago, I remember that the animal mutilations began being reported in the 1960s. And when you go from animal to animal, ranch to ranch, town to town, and it was that intense at some cycles of time. And the sky facing, when you talk with sheriffs, they will talk about the sky facing side. The animals that usually, if they're lying on their right side, there's nothing taken. I'm not saying that's absolute, but in general, the side that's ground facing doesn't have excisions. It's the sky facing side that usually does. And it was the pattern when the sheriffs and the ranchers were confronted in a 24 hour period, this occurred where there would might be half a dozen in one night's time where an ear, the, a sky facing ear, eye, jaw flesh cut usually like this, taken away, the tongue always removed deep in the throat. Uh, I've been with a veterinarian doing a necropsy where in opening up the mouth, the tongue had been removed so deeply in the throat you couldn't see anything. Uh, one thing that uh, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and sheriffs in the United States agreed upon a long time ago is they wanted some facts that would not be presented to the public in case that this was a copycat human doing all of this around the world. Of course, that's not true. But one of the secrets that they held back for a period of time and was still being held when I did uh, in 79 to 80, the documentary A Strange Harvest, is the fact that one or two of the molars from the jaw had been mechanically taken. Uh, these were often in fresh, young animals, mutilated, in which there would be no reason for there to be a deterioration and the removal. And that the, the cleanliness with which the tooth, or two tooths, it could be one or two, were removed from inside the socket, the tooth socket was immaculate. And when I talked with Lynn Lauber, who was head of the Calgary, Canada, uh, the, their mutilation investigation, he asked me, he said, we've seen your film, A Strange Harvest. He called me up. He said, we've seen your film and we agree. And when he said, we agree, I said, then you agree with the extraterrestrial biological entity being the perpetrator, like Sheriff Tex Graves in Northern Colorado. And Lynn Lauber told me on the phone, this was not recorded. This was when I was still at the station in Denver. We didn't have computers or anything like that. We were talking on the phone, he called me. Uh, that I said, well, sir, if you are in agreement that 
what I've laid out in my documentary, A Strange Harvest, is the truth, then we're talking about non-humans. We're talking about intelligences from someplace else that come in craft and technologies that defy human understanding. Why are you in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in Calgary and, and other uh, areas of Canada where they were having as many mutilations as in the United States? Why do I have newspaper headlines where the, R, uh, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police have said that they're looking for a satanic cult called O, the letter O. And he said to me on the phone, I'm director of special projects at the CBS station in Denver. I'm a manager in the station and he's talking to me about the film I've done and he's now telling me he agrees, but in Canada, the headlines were always about this satanic cult O and I'm asking him why and he said, this was a direct quote, I've never forgotten it, because that we want to keep the media and the public off our backs. So sometimes I feel deep compassion for people who are in law enforcement, who are in intelligence, who are in military, because having to deflect public and media attention so much of the time means that they're always picking their way toward policies of denial. And once you are in a habitual habit of policies of lies and denial that cover up everything, I think everybody loses. We need to be educated. We need to be told the truth. Animal mutilations have been going on on this planet uninterrupted in terms of public knowledge in newspapers, magazines, radio, and television since the 1960s. How many more in other centuries that have been described as satanic cults or voodoo? We'll never know. But in terms of the current timeline from 1960s to 2021, animal mutilations have been going on somewhere on this planet without interruption. And that includes Australia and New Zealand and all through South America and Central America and Mexico and the United States and Canada and over into Europe. The area of the world that we cannot seem to get statistics about is China. Uh, Russia every once in a while, but China, we have never had what would be considered accurate data. And then there is a country that stands out for lack of cases, and it's India. And India, for centuries, has revered cattle. I've often wondered, whoever it is, whatever it is, that globally mutilates, and Tyler Jones is told by a tall, blue-eyed, white-skinned, blonde-haired, Nordic being in this craft, that it is reptilians. Would they give deference to a human population 
that revered cattle? And would that be why there are no reported or documented mutilation cases in the huge nation of India? And that's how complex and challenging all of this is to understand. And if it is extraterrestrial biological entities, and I think you will all find next week's second part with Tyler Jones to be really extraordinary. And from my point of view of what I have come to know, not prove, but to know in terms of information accumulation, I think that it's on the right track. And then the complexity of that juxtaposed against what we're talking about right now, you will begin to get the feeling of how layered, the 16-layer chess game, that isn't enough layers. The layers and complexities that our Earth is in the middle of and that humans have deliberately been kept dumb and blind for millennia and why it is important if we are going to survive, we must start dealing with the truth. Ian, what else? Okay, Linda, well, further odd questions about the cattle mutilations. Uh, can you tell us, Linda, have any cows or cattle been found with broken ribs indicating that they've been dropped? Oh, yes. Broken backs, uh, broken ribs, broken legs, uh, and here I, I'll collapse all of the necropsies that have confirmed broken, uh, broken bones and veterinarians telling sheriffs this animal was dropped. I, I started hearing that back in 79. It is a prevalent aspect of the animal mutilations. The animals are dropped from a height that causes the breaking of their strong bones. Okay, and now I'm going to collapse it down to one uh, proven hard physics soil compression test. I got a call from the Ponderosa County Sheriff's Office in Montana. This goes back probably, I was still living in Philadelphia then, and I left uh, Philly in 2004. So this would have been in the 1990s. And uh, they wanted me to come to the uh, Ponderosa County Sheriff's Office and stay for two or three days to have me go with them with the notebooks and photos and, and my documentary and see one particular mutilation case, which I'm going to tell you about, in the context of a whole bunch more that they were having all at the same time. And the Sheriff's Office was really up against a wall. And I always have uh, been uh, grateful that they reached out to me because I had the ability to fly to a place, not because I was to speak or do anything. I was just to work with law enforcement on an investigation. And when they took me to the site, the first thing that I noticed because by then I had been going to England on crop formation investigations and my mind was very attuned that if you're in a field of anything, it doesn't matter what it is, 
you begin to see which way plants are either laid down or if there is crushing or whatever is happening in a field. And the first thing that I said to the sheriff when we walked up and it surprised him, I said, what has happened here? Here's the back. It was a, I, I believe that one was a big bull. It's, this story is in my glimpses of other realities, uh, volume uh, one. Since so it's a big black animal lying on gold, late, already harvested uh, wheat. And I think this was in October, October or November that I was there. And think of gold stems that would be like, the, here's the soil and the stems are no higher, higher than that, probably closer to maybe there there and the animal's back is lying where instead of the of the crop under going this way it was going the opposite way it hit me immediately as i walked up what so i the sheriff said yeah we don't understand it either and Linda, look, and he got down on his hands and knees and he, so, so the stubble is there. But in the stubble, you could see that there was a concave, not, not at the back of the animal. The concave was sort of in the ground <coughs> where these, where the wheat was going the opposite direction. So... He had me come around. We just we had just arrived, so he we'd come back around, and he said, "Take a look at it from this side." And within ten minutes, the sheriff, they had a deputy, a veterinarian, myself, three or four ranch people. It became very clear to me that what I was looking at was an animal that had been dropped and had been dropped with enough inertial energy that it had hit in this uh, harvested crop with such force that the strange, mysterious plants going the wrong way were, were from the force of the energy and had made a, uh, like a shallow crater. And then the animal itself ended up three measured feet on a yardstick from the first strange angle uh, in the wheat. So I said, I think what we need to do is I would like to know. I would like to know if a physicist that I work with could do soil compression tests and tell us how high would the weight of this animal have to have been uh, dropped to cause this We'll, we'll call it soil, plant, uh, curved, crater evidence. And they were very interested, and we gathered, we did soil. I called uh, Dr. W.C. Levengood, the biophysicist I work with in Michigan on crop circles. Um, he guided us, uh, told me exactly what to do. And he actually contacted another 
soil compression scientists. And when they went over all of the, we got all kinds of plastic bags, uh, everything I photographed, the distance, where the animal, all of it. And each of the bags of soil was very carefully measured. Each one was numbered, labeled where it was, photographs. It was really, really well documented. And it came back, the estimated weight was known to the rancher who was there anyway, um, 230 feet. That the animal was dropped from 230 feet and that, that it bounced, it created a crater, it caused the strange physics in the uh, harvested crop. The, the number of cases where veterinarians have found broken bones and concluded the same thing without having the ability to do soil compression tests, is, it's an enormous number over all these years. So one fact you can write down, and you can use the word many, Many animal mutilation cases involve bodies in which the bones have been broken and that other firm evidence proves that the animal was dropped from a large height to where it is found mutilated in a pasture. You can take that to the bank. In we're at the bottom of the hour. Any other short question I should tackle or? I, I think, to be quite honest, all of these, all of these questions will require a, an in-depth answer to do them okay. justice. So I'm happy to carry them over until next week. All right, you guys, think of this as we're just going out for a commercial break and we will all be back together next Wednesday and bring more people with you. Uh, because I think that this is one of the more fascinating, in-depth and detailed and many times provable evidentiary material as I've always tried to gain. And that when you hear Tyler Jones next week in his frank, straightforward, no-nonsense voice, I think that you will come away, as I have too, that he was given at least a possibly correct insight into some of the relationships of the non-humans interacting with this planet for at least 270 million years, as the DIA analyst told me back in December 1999. That was the, year, the length of time, 270 million years, he gave me that our government had proof of three competing extraterrestrial civilizations, Tyler wasn't given a timeline. But it's amazing how many of his details seem to resonate with some of these, we'll call them government, military, whistleblower, analysts, and other information. And we're in a countdown that I hope also delivers some more truth and so from me to you, I am so glad that we are doing these Wednesdays and that hopefully we are 
going to come to an intersection where the government itself is going to start telling us some truth. And on we go. I love you guys. I'll see you next Wednesday. listening to this Earth Files podcast from the edges of science, environment, and real X-Files. Go to www.earthfiles.com to see more than a thousand Earth Files reports with photographs, drawings, and documents. And visit Earth Files every day, every week, for new reports and new podcasts. That's www.earthfiles.com. 